0: Welcome to The Blackout Show, presented by The Guillain Grader, a show about the Chicago White Sox baseball, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll debate what's working and what's not on the South Side of Chicago. It's old school versus new school baseball. And most importantly, we're keeping all the receipts.
1: What's up, everybody? It's Gonzo here with me tonight as Ozzy Guillen Jr. and Justin Lee. Fellas, it's episode 30, 30 episodes into our first season as we re- go into the offseason. And we're going to begin it tonight with the breaking news of the week, which was Jason Bignetti going to Detroit. We saw Lawrence Holmes dropping his podcast about this, this, this topic. Um, let's begin it with you two discussing Jason. By
0: the way, why, why us two? You've been, by the way, Mr. Lee has been very, very quiet about all this week. You've been chatting it up in the chat. Mr. Justin was so quiet this week that he was giving me a whooping in fantasy and he just waited (laughs) to see me live. He did give me a whooping, a well deserved whooping because I was supposed to win the probability, but. I, I want Gonz. I want to hear your part on that because you've you've had a lot to say. I want to see your your take on that because I can, I can give mine and mine's going to be actually very surprising to White Sox fans,
1: I think. So I mean, if I'm being honest, I I have no clue who Jason was before he got hired. Um, you hate to see homegrown talent leave, especially with the success he's had and what the opportunity he took with the White Sox. It sucks seeing him leave, Um, but I'm not going to be going crazy on social media feeling sorry about it because like the later end of what Lawrence Holmes was saying, there's also several local options out there that should get this opportunity, and I'm always the optimistic guy looking forward to the next person that steps up because, I mean, it's hard growing up in the era of Hawk and then transitioning to Jason, I think Jason did a hell of a job, but I'm not going to be heartbroken about him leaving. I think that's well, that shouldn't be the biggest news. Like, I really well, hope that Chris Gets makes bigger news than what this is right now.
0: So I, I want to say something real quick. On use the word Hawk, and he got thrown into this mix again, and people were like dragging him through the mud. Okay, if you were five. If you're like 20. You, you didn't hear a broadcast when you were five years old. Okay, you're you're pooping in your pants, probably your mom and dad were changing your diapers. Okay, so to drag Hawk and, and maybe you were like 10. And, and you heard a version of like if you're, if you're, uh, if you're somebody like there's a couple guys on Twitter that I follow that, you know, they were like 14, 15, 16 years old and like Hawks prime like right when he started in the 90s. And like, you have an opinion, a negative opinion about Hawk. I respect it because you you actually got to listen to him and you have an opinion of him. So number one, the whole dragging Hawk through the ground, unnecessary. Half of the people on Twitter did not even see Hawk broadcast. And what was the greatness of Hawk and Tom Pichorek because, and this is where I'm going to get into Benetti. White Sox had great teams, but there was like no championships and people associated listening to Chicago White Sox with Hawk Carrollson, and you learned, and and Hawk, I'm okay with, a, uh, I'm okay with a a, uh, a local broadcast guy being a homer. So I was okay with Hawk being a homer. I was okay with Jason Benetti being a homer. You are broadcasting your team. I listened to the Cleveland Guardians. I listened to every other great broadcaster is a homer to his team. Like, why wouldn't you be, you're covering this team. That That's just the reality of it. And I think a lot of people are expecting like a national broadcast like someone to be impartial. Here's the other part. I think with broadcasters, man, it's a 50-50 shot if someone's going to like him or not. Do I think that Jason at time was corny? Absolutely. He's corny at life. Okay? Like you talk to the guys, that's just his style. But broadcasting wise, his talent is very, very good. There's That's the reason why he's on national TV and covering pretty much every sport. I think like Highlight is the only sport I haven't seen Jason Benetti broadcast. Anything he broadcasts, And I actually think baseball is not his best sport. I think he's really, really good at college basketball and really, really good at football. But if you're a Jason Benetti fan, this is a decision that Jason made. And I'm giving him the, the benefit of the doubt of him and his team, that it's probably the best move for his career. I guarantee you he got more money. I guarantee you he got more years. And I guarantee you he's got more influence in his contract and leeways for him to go be able to do take more opportunities at, at the national yes. level, because one thing that he made for sure understand is that his dream job, which was a stepping stone at the end of the day was not being the Chicago broadcast for the next 50 years. He's moving on to, he's, he's eyeing for like the, the, the cost of the world and and world series, which again, I think that it's very mutual for him. So I think from a decision standpoint, the part that I thought was crazy is that they automatically go and blame the, the, the story that six seventy 70, the score shared, And Bernstein is saying that Jason gets fired because Jerry doesn't like doesn't think he's funny. I don't think Jerry cares or anything who the broadcast team is. He's not. That's that's a whole other department situation. And there's a budget to sign people. So the fact that like they're making it seem that Jerry came down, a la Jerry Jones, and said I want Jason Benetti out, then they don't know Jerry very well when it comes to decision making. And things that happen maybe people want jerry to be more that way but i'm not buying that. i think that it was a it was a typical negotiation situation okay where where the team is at right now they didn't really feel the need to have somebody making that much money in the booth because they think in their opinion that they're going to get a wins a bros replacement broadcaster and bring in the same type of people or guys guess what they are telling you guys in a, in a few words we're going to rebuild for a couple years so it doesn't matter who we have in the broadcast booth. You guys are probably not going to be listening anyways. So we can get, we can build up this new talent, which was the case with Jason Minetti. The only thing that I feel bad for Jason was that he got to do what? A 20 games, 40 game season in the COVID year. And then one 90 game winning season. He broadcasted a lot of bad baseball in his time with the Chicago White Sox. He's he's post Ozzie Guillen era. You know, he, he came in and he had a, all the rebuild seasons. So we never got to see Jason Minetti with like a 100 winning game team winning night after night he basically was there entertaining us with a media you know a subpar team that showed flashes of greatness so he's in a better team right now on paper which is probably on the on the trend up got more money and got more years so do i think jason benetti is less of a white Sox fan today than he was before no because that's his job and he went to got got paid more so at the end of the day jason got paid more just like when players leave the city oh i love this place so much but i'm going to take 50 million more dollars somewhere else. Well, you didn't love it that much because obviously, and we understand that. So that's my take on that. I think the White Sox, I think right now it's something that everyone just nitpicks every little thing. But I think that the problems on the White Sox list, as much as we love Jason Benetti, who's in the broadcast booth is just not on the top 10 of things that need to be addressed. When I look at this lineup and then there's six positions that I know I don't know who the starting player is, I really, I wish him well, but it's not something that I'm going to hit the panic button. Like, Oh my God, what are we going to do without Jason in the booth? I think there's a lot bigger problems than that.
2: Yeah. I'm one of the people that I enjoy baseball at home. Uh, One of my favorite things about the sport actually is the TV broadcast. And I grew up on Hawk and, you know, putting it on the board, you know, he gone like that's the type of stuff that I'm going to take every day with me for the rest of my life. When I when I when we get to Jason Benetti, it's not the fact he's not a bad broadcaster. He's actually, uh, to Ozzy's point, he's very good at his job, especially with the the progressive witty banter. He's quick with it. He quick Um, The thing is, there was no real catchphrases. There nothing I could really hang on to as a fan of the team. There was there was no putting it on the board, and it and it's really hard to go from Hawk. And then you get to Jason Benetti that it just eliminates that. Um, so, I mean, it is what it is. I'm not going to lose any sleep over, you know, Jason not calling games. If the White Sox are really smart, they'll just put Lynn on TV and give the fans what they really deserve. So if you're not going to listen to me, Chicago White Sox organization, if you're not going to give me Sox Fest, you animals better give me Lynn Casper. Every day I turn on the TV or we're gonna have some issues.
0: And he's on radio, right? He's not leaving. And again, we don't know why, why, why if they asked them to do it, if he wants to stay in radio. And I think here's the part that no one really wants to talk about is you know Stone stays in there and and maybe Len likes the radio. You know, they have a really good chemistry with DJ, and it's a great broadcast, and it's something different for his career. So I, I don't think it's an automatic. I think you ask him because of his talent, like the guy's, just that great. Um, but I really think that whoever they bring in is going to bring their own style. Fifty percent of the people are going to like him. Fifty percent are going to hate him. Okay, that's just how the business works. I will tell you this: I I think Jason Benetti is probably one of the only broadcasters that I thought in the history of the White Sox could actually get Sox math correctly. Because when I thought Sox math, I thought Jason. I literally thought that he could win it every single time. So I think that. That generation of like the younger analytical, you know that type of like, uh, and,
2: and and that's another part too, OJ, that it was getting hard for me to grasp because like I've heard, I've listened as a child growing up, I've listened to Hawk, you know, call games for you know a bad team, but it's not all about the statistics in that regard. He could give me some stories. I would rather I would rather hear about Carl Yastrzemski's fucking hitting tools every day than hear the analytics of a team that's 38 games under five.
0: Well, well, here's the other part, though. When people say, you know, Gordon Beckham or AJ, they're not they're not looking for a color guy. They're looking for a play-by-play guy. Yeah, he's just that, a whole different yeah. animal. Um, And a lot of people I know out there are not, I guess he's got to be liked at least 50% of the people. I'm a big Steve Stone fan, okay, personally. Because, Same. again, I have a personal relationship with Steve Stone that goes back 15, 20 years when he is talking on the air, it's like Steve is talking to you over a lunch or a dinner and is explaining baseball to you, especially pitching, which I am a big fan of. Um, A lot of people don't like him because he's not there dropping, you know, uh, exit velo and like more like terms. But what I've, if you grab the terms to what he is explaining to you, it makes sense. If you can, if you're savvy enough to be like, okay, he's talking about the break it's a good break. Pitching wise, he's, he's very knowledgeable of the game and he knows teams very well. So I think that's what I liked about the, the combination between Steven and Jason was that Jason was a great broadcaster, uh, that, you know, was witty at times, his baseball acumen of like in depth diving and giving you like the day to day of like what pitching or hitting is all about. He wasn't, an expert in which is great. And he didn't pretend to be, which I think I even liked them even more. That made it
2: better with Steve Stone because- Correct. Let Steve do his thing. Stone turned back into the sensei. Correct. Correct. Teach the game.
0: Correct. I don't like a broadcaster, the play-by-play guy, again, in my personal opinion, who thinks he's a hitting guru and you've never grabbed the bat in your life. That to me is- and when By the way, I broadcasted Major League Baseball seven years in radio. And one of the hardest things for me to say when I was talking about hitting or anything- was because I needed to decipher something that Hawk had taught me or that Steve Stone had taught me or I had learned watching the game that I had to kind of put there for fans to grab, not making it seem that it was coming from me saying, I'm the expert. Because when you haven't played, people don't want to hear that. Or when you're a crappy player, you know, Frank Thomas can go up there and talk about hitting and be like, well, that's Frank Thomas. Ozzie Guillen, when it comes to managing and defense, I feel like when you get into that and you never really played at that level, and I think Jason Mennany was really good that he never crossed that line, and him and Stone being Sensei and the expert, the great broadcaster, and whoever they find, I think that there's a lot of great names out there. I think that we'll listen. It'll take us some time. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think that I think it, we'll see. Time tells all. Did the White Sox make the better choice on what their fans, they think that their fans want? Here's, here's one thing is true, guys. Yeah. And, and I might get in trouble for saying this. Oh, boy. A huge disconnect between what White Sox fans want and what their team is delivering for them. The White Sox fan won here. The franchise is here. From Sox Fest to who they wanted as a manager to the processes of what they want on how to hiring people, the kind of players they want. They seem to be very, very far off um, in what kind of on wanting to do what their fan base wants, not just on the way the team is being built, but on things like the broadcast. So from a brand standpoint, I, I understand the fans don't feel like they're being heard. Um, from that standpoint, I think for the first time ever, I think that's the biggest gap between fans of where they're at currently, and the way that the team is being presented to them. Uh, I think that's, that's a, as a brand itself, I don't think like they're being heard. Uh, from a fan base standpoint, because again, if the fans say that they want to hear whoever in the broadcast booth, and that's who they want, that's who you give them. Even if, as a franchise, you don't think it's the best decision, but those are your listeners, and your listeners, again, they're paying for for the ticket, and they're paying the ticket to attend. They're paying for the ticket to, you know, they're paying for the TV and and watching for advertisement. So I feel like there is a disconnect of you know you didn't bring back a fan favorite guy, and I get an, I understand that frustration from a fan standpoint. I don't know how much they took that into consideration.
2: So, I just want to ask before we completely leave off the topic, uh, Gonzo, I want to ask you first if you could hand pick any play by play guy to fill Jason's shoes, okay. who would you pick?
1: Well, I was kind of interested. I saw that someone brought up Gordon Beckham getting a full time shot. And I'd be interested to see how that goes if Gordon has the time for it. Um, to match up with Steve Stone. I think that'd be an interesting broadcast. Um, Cause I don't like any of the old timers that they tried bringing back when one of the, the two were absent. So mm-hmm. I need someone younger and fresh. And I, I mean, think, you,
0: I think tryouts tryouts Yeah. give everybody 20 games, 20, 30 games, split it up. Give us different views. You know, give us different look. Let Gordon do play by play. Let Monaco come in and do play by play. Um, the kid that used to be on the score, uh, Mike I Monaco, his... is
2: really good too.
0: Yeah, Monaco's that's a kid from Notre Dame. And then what's the kid from mm-hmm. the? He does the pre and post game show. He used to. Uh, oh. I I believe that same and he was on the score. He's he's oh. done a couple yeah. games.
2: Are you talking about Connor McKnight too? Connor,
0: there. That's him. I I should know his name. I've hung out with the guy plenty of times. Connor. Give Connor a shot. Look at
2: you. Big time.
0: Big time. No, not big time. Again, there's so many. When you think broadcasters, I don't think, I do not think that about managers, by the way. I think that when you're a broadcaster and you're bringing in somebody that's new, you don't really know unless it's somebody that's been somewhere and has a huge name like a Casper. But if you bring someone in brand new that you, this is like their first big league job, I'm not necessarily listening to minor league baseball or other minor league affiliates so I can be like oh this guy is really really good um you know you should bring him in it, it's like a brand new face to me so it'll take time so I'm not I'm not big enough of an expert to say oh yeah I knew Jason Benetti when he started. I knew that he entered the score but I didn't know that he did play by play uh you know and was that amazing so whatever they bring in I feel like Instead of just jumping in and getting married to one guy, just have a free-for-all. Let, let everybody do a little shot. Spring, and have
2: spring training would be a great time to have that audition, too.
0: Just bring out and have what the fans share and 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 you know, and, and bring different elements to the broadcast. Again, it doesn't have to be lie. two people.
2: I'm not going to lie, OJ. Like, Gonzo's talking about he don't want a dinosaur in the booth. I'm calling Gary Thorne and Tom Brenneman <laughs> right now. I need, I need you, old geezers. I need you. It's a, it's a
1: cold blue. I feel like they're going to fall into someone. So I'm not really too worried about it. Um, Can he but play second tran- base? Well, let's transition because they left another talent go. Tim Anderson, the the White Sox declined the player option. Um, for me, I felt like that was more culture decision than it was a talent what decision. Do what do you mean culture? That's.
0: That's I'm gonna ask that question very much. What do you, what do you mean by culture decision? You Please go, explain. Gonzo. Twenty minutes into the show, Gonzo, and you
1: for the it. same reason why there was only Andrew Vaughn that picked him up off the ground when he got knocked out with the on the field issues that he had, with the the personal issues that he had. I feel like the team wanted to move on. Um and just Allow him to have a fresh start. This for
2: you, Gonzo. This is definitely for you
0: right now. That's okay. There's somebody. There's only one person on this show who has a last name that somebody, t- Tim Anderson, says shut the fuck up to. Okay? So most people would think White Sox fans, I'm going to come on here and destroy Tim Anderson. And uh, oh, they did the right move to removing Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson just came off of might have been his worst year ever in his career in Major League Baseball. But the seasons that he had before that, and the player that he still shows that he can be, because I don't think his second half was as bad as everyone claimed it to be. I think that even with all the culture issues, and I'm using quotation marks culture, because I'm not buying into the Tim Anderson was the cancer on the clubhouse. I think Tim Anderson had issues that became more public than others, but I think there's bigger cancers in the clubhouse potentially not there anymore or still currently there, that might be a bigger issue than Tim Anderson. So I think that for his production of what he can bring in as not only a shortstop, but someone that can play the second base position when you don't have anyone. And please do not drop me the list of every great minor leaguer in Birmingham. None of those guys are batting champs. None of those guys have hit over 300. None of those guys have produced at the level that Tim Anderson has produced at the league level. So for Period. $14 million, For $14 million, Tim Anderson could have been caught with 55 kilos of cocaine, and I still would have been like, Tim Anderson's my second baseman. Because there's no one in the minor league system, okay, that I can say today, as a baseball guy, he is ready to replace Tim Anderson, including Carlson Montgomery. The Seager Seager comparisons, hold on, anybody. So if you're going to tell me, by, by getting rid of Tim Anderson, you're telling me that you have a better second baseman that you have in in system, or that you're going to sign a better second baseman for a long term, or that Col- and that Colson is going to be your starting shortstop for the next exponential years, which is fine. But for the amount of money, okay, in a season when you said I am not rebuilding, as soon as Tim Anderson's gone, it's an automatic rebuild in my eyes, just because the level of production that he had, even in a bad year. I think that you could have used his body at 14 million to fill some of these spots that have there. by the way, including the outfield. Because if Tim Anderson was to grab his right field's glove and go play right field, his production would be better than anybody that's played that position. So that's just my take on the whole Tim Anderson thing. Regardless of his off the field. By the way, his off the field stuff, I don't consider off the field stuff. He had marital problems. Everyone's had them. No one. Tim didn't commit a crime. Okay, what Tim did, every team has three or four guys that do that. His stuff just became public, unfortunately. But I don't consider Tim Anderson having off the field problems, having off the field problems. You have a drug addiction. You got a problem. You got caught with a gun. You know, you're a gang member. You're beating up people. You know, you're getting you're getting suspended by the league. Tim Anderson just told a couple other players to F off, clicked off some fans that were bothering him. I don't consider Tim Anderson off the field issues. I feel that Tim Anderson had a bad season. He's got he's got a little spark. Two two off two bad seasons. Okay, come on. Again, here's the thing. He may, I'm gonna say this. He had one bad season and he had another season when he wasn't the best player on the White Sox. So, you don't think Tim Anderson could have been a role player in the future of this team? By the way, I'm gonna because of, because Andrew Vaughn barely replaced Jose Abreu. He barely got there and he did it, and that's fine. And, and he's a future for the second base and shortstop position for the foreseeable future. For $14 million, they could have had him. Mind you, I'm not saying that they didn't, they couldn't have traded him. I'm saying you grab him for $14 million, hope that he plays well, and then you move him for better pieces, or keep him for $14 million until Colson gets ready and potentially move him to second or find other options. You just don't let him walk away for $14 million. That's just my take. I don't think $14 million Especially is that much money, money.
2: Not picking up Liam's option and you're gonna move Grandal's money too. So like it, the 14 million shouldn't have been an issue. You're not going to be able to replace the man or the player like OJ just said.
0: You're not. And marketing wise, marketing wise, you just wasted the last 4 years. Changed the game, the swagger. Basically, you said we don't believe in this guy. And we'll pull the plug on him beforehand. Because again, he was the highlight what's reel. The, what,
2: what's what's going to be the new slogan?
0: Well, again, in, any, in anything, and here's the part, Justin, that again, going back to identity, whatever the slogan is, I'm going to call BS when the slogan comes out. And that's one of the issues that I had with Pedro Grafford. I know we're not talking about him now, but I have to say this. And 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 we tweeted about it from the from the Gian Baseball account. You're going to tell me that you don't like this team now after Tim Anderson leaves. Really? So why didn't you say that when he was still on the team? Because he was scared that Tim Anderson would grab the microphone and call you out on all the weird stuff that you're doing or that you're not doing. So I think it was a, it was a, Oh, let's get Tim out of here. And now everyone's like, Oh, the team is great. Okay. Maybe the team is better culture wise. That's great. But somebody has got to play second base and shortstop. More
2: importantly, OJ, somebody got to hit lead off.
0: No, we got Rob. What's his name? Popeye. What's Popeye's name? Then we got the Venezuelan Lenny Sosa. Yeah, we got Popeye, nice we got team. Lenin, we got Seeger, we got Baby Seeger. Again, that's fine. But then don't tell me in that same sentence that you're looking for that is not a rebuild. Here's my best part, and this is why AJ Brzezinski was calling out Chris, and Chris can't get mad at this. You're saying you want to find more athletic players with versatility, yet you don't sign Tim Anderson. If anything, Tim Anderson is is athletic and versatile. You don't, like those you are his top
2: best athletes. athletes in the organization.
0: Correct. Like there's the guy played second base, and no one had the cojones to say, hey Tim, you're gonna play second base for the White Sox. He can play short. I'm not saying he's a gold glover, but he definitely can play short in the big league level and produce at that level. And I can guarantee you, if Fernando Tatis Jr. can play right field, Tim Anderson can play right field. He,
1: I believe there's some aggressive decisions they can make to replace Tim, but if they don't make Share them. Those, Share them. I will in a second. We'll get there. If they don't make those aggressive decisions, though, then I believe it's a really bad look for that first offseason move to decline the option for $14 That would be terrible.
0: You could have traded him for, for, for a pitcher. Here's the thing. You got Dylan Cease for the next two years. You have to compete. In one of those years, in order to make the keeping Dylan, a feasible, or you could have said this is a weak division, so we're going to spread a couple players here and there, and we'll rebuild, real quickly. I just don't see a quick rebuild without Tim Anderson.
1: I I mean, again, I, if they get aggressive, I see how they can do it. But I mean, but... Uh, they,
2: they're they're not gonna they're not gonna get aggressive because they had their chance to be aggressive when Marcus Simeon hit the market. They had their chance to get aggressive when Corey Singer hit the market, but
0: we're that's too at- aggressive, by the way. Like that's aggressive. Like you're going all in when you're not even supposed to go in because that takes right. you back to Liam Hendricks. And okay, what we're Liam end
2: up doing Gonzo is uh, is going to be like what Ryan Poles did with Roquan replacing him with Tremaine Edmonds, and the only difference is Roquan's a better player for two million dollars less. Well, it's you're a,
0: talking you're talking hard stuff for me. This is
2: NFL. No, Roquan's Ro not better than right Edmonds. With the White Sox, with the White Sox, want to do
0: right now as far as
2: financially and money wise, replacing Tim Anderson, they're going to move sideways at best, with a can big bring, chance of some the next guy being worse than Tim Anderson.
0: By the way, can I bring up the the contract that the former front office signed for Clevenger and for Liam Hendricks? That Liam is still making fifteen million dollars. I thought that they would keep him because his buyout clause was you're going to make the same amount of money. We're just going to spread it out for you and tax diversify your 15 mil, Liam. I was like, just sign the guy. You're still paying him 15 million either now or later, but you're still paying him 15 million. And then you're told Clevenger, what, $4 million to go home? Of course, he's going to decline it. He just made $14 million sitting down.
1: Yeah. From what I understood, they're paying 2 million a year for 10 years.
0: You're still paying it. Yeah. Maybe the next, maybe the next front well, office is going to pay for it.
1: But the cap hit though is the difference on that, because you can save fourteen million on next year.
0: And you and use it how? That's the thing. How they're going to use that's, it? You would have you would have made that move if you brought Tim Anderson back and said, "Oh, we're we'll save the cap because we want to sign this guy and eventually move him down the line."
1: But that's what they're doing. They're clearing cap space right now for next year.
0: For this, like meaning for the next season, not twenty twenty five for twenty twenty four.
1: So they're going Which to bring for 25, 24 eventually.
0: So so let's, okay. So so when you look at the 24, okay. And the Which top this free agents, Justin. okay. And the top free agents, okay. Because I'm going again and to argue that this class, even though it has Otani, okay. Who is not worth $40 million if he's just oh, going to hit. Oh, oh, he's not Otani. worth that. Okay. And whoever signs Otani, here's the receipt. Keep this one. Whoever signs Otani is going to be holding the bag at the end of the day, because that's the team that's going to falter by signing and thinking that they just hit the splash. It's going to be a marketing splash, but wins and losses—that's too much. That's too much capital on one guy.
1: Unless before he pitches, we, it
0: might be worth it. So, who are the top free agents though? When we're looking at this,
1: before we jump to the external look here, let's quickly wrap up this whole conversation. With there's a rumor with Dylan Cease, which should lead to this ex- external look the dylan Cease rumors are heating up as a, the winter meetings are approaching um do you see sees or sees do you see chris gets moving dylan Cease? If i chris, certainly wouldn't but
0: but why but. okay i have a question gonzo why wouldn't you because you're a fan of dylan i wouldn't move dylan because i like i like seeing dylan more often than not and it's cool having him in chicago that's why i wouldn't move dylan but why are you not moving Dylan? Because he's your favorite player. You Again, if we're separating. If I was in Chris Guess's shoes, Ozzy Ginnon Jr., considering the relationship I have with Dylan, meaning we're friends. Mm-hmm. Okay? If I can't sign Dylan to an extension, I am going to move you for the most amount of players and value that I can. And I will tell Dylan this to his face while I'm making the move. Like, hey, bro, you don't want to sign here for this much money? I want more. Well, that's all we can afford, man. Let's part ways and we'll see if we can meet again once again on a team in the future. That's what Chris Gets needs to do because, again, we're going to go Abreu, we're going to add Tim Anderson. Not only did the rebuild not work, but the rebuild, the rebuild on the rebuild is not bringing back any players. At least with Chris Stale, you got Moncada and Kopech and, you know, with other players, you brought guys back. Now in this rebuild, not only did it not work, you're not bringing anybody back in return. You're not bringing any players back. So you can't let Dylan just walk because you think that you're going to be able to sign him. you got to be realistic and have your feet on the ground and say, hey, can I sign this guy? Can I ask this girl to the prom? Is she going to say yes, or am I in way over my head? Of course, Dylan sees is one of the best pitchers, and I would love to have him in every Major League Baseball team that I would start. He's a top five pitcher in the American League right now.
1: So my understanding... My understanding in the press conference with Jerry with introducing Chris Goetz was that this is going to be on Chris Goetz's hand moving forward. And with his aggressiveness, it all relies on Chris Goetz. Jerry gave the resources of his budget to Rick Hahn, and Hahn just didn't spend it wisely. So my understanding is Goetz is going to have free reign to do what he wants. And in that mindset, if I was Chris Goetz – I'm keeping Chris sale because, well, one, I'm extending him next off season, but with having him in mind already, I know I need at least two top dogs to have real success in this modern era. And one of those dogs I'm going to be getting in free agency to go with Chris sale. So I'm spending big money on this off season on, on one of those dogs to go with sale next off season. I'm extending C. So I have two, my two dogs extended out
0: okay so 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 you're building so you're telling me okay so the market out there right now for mm-hmm. lucas jolito is 80 million mm-hmm. okay that's what they're saying for lucas Giolito. good for lucas i'm gonna win a bet if he gets paid 100. i hope he gets it because i win my bet you're telling me that to extend chris sale mind you that's not chris sale to extend cease okay who he is currently when you look at the comparison, okay, on how old he is, okay, and potential, okay, he's not, he's not necessarily Garrett Cole with the hardware that he had when he went to New York, but at the age of his, meaning how old he is, so he's 27 years old, so he's in the front end of 30, okay, and he has been very healthy. I think that he's going to ask between 35 to 45 million dollars a season. Okay. And he's probably going to ask for a contract that's going to put him in a place for at least 10 years. Okay. So if you go on the on the bottom end of that, and we're saying 35, and I think 35 might be very generous for them to ask, meaning for an extension with the team that he's currently on. That means that they're going to have to give him 350 million dollars. Okay. Do you think historically speaking? We, they have not given somebody $100 million, but they're going to jump from $75 million to $350 million. And I'm just being – that's on the low end because if Scott Boris pulls up one of the magical Scott Boris numbers and for some crazy deal gets 45 to $50 million from the Orioles, from the Braves, from the Yankees, because this is the best part, he's going into free agency in a time when every big market team is looking for pitching. Pitching is like water right now in a desert. OK, if Lucas is getting 80 million. So if you go 45 for 10, that's four hundred and fifty million dollars. You guys think you think, Gonzo, that the White Sox will do that. Then you have a lot more hope than because I don't think I don't see them signing a starting pitcher see, for 450.
1: I don't see his number there yet.
0: So, OK, so 30 million.
1: So that means this season, your top name right now is snow. And the, the market value for him is starting at, at twenty five right now.
0: Okay, so how much money do you think you, would you give Dylan Cease right now for eight year contract that you think Cease would take? Not only Cease, because you don't have to convince just Cease. You got to convince Scott Boris.
1: I'd started in that same conversation as Blake Snell right now.
0: Twenty five million. Yeah. Okay, so twenty five million over what? Eight or ten?
1: What's his age?
0: Twenty seven. And mind Snell's you, thirty. But mind b- you, you still have to pay him plus a little bit more because you don't want him to go to free agency. So you got to butter it up. So okay, let's say twenty-five million
1: over eight. That's what seven to eight years at twenty-five. That's two hundred mil. Yeah, and that's about the same price that I'm paying for one of these other guys.
0: Okay, number one, I don't think that he would sign for twenty-five million a year. Maybe he would, but I don't think Scott Boris would go for that. I would sign it if I like yeah. Chicago a lot, but I'm saying the part th- th- there's there's obstacles here. And when he says, I'm putting it on Chris Getz, unless Chris Getz comes with a bag load of money, I don't think that you convince Cease and, and Scott Boris to sign. The only thing convincing him here is cash, cash in years. I don't think that it's going to be like, oh, I like where I live in Chicago. I like the fans. I like the logo. I just don't see that being... I think Stop Boris is the best at fighting that. Like, he he he's he's the best for a reason, and he's going to get top dollar on his players. So I still think, in my opinion, even though on paper and on all the apps it says twenty-five million dollars is what he should be getting, I still think you pay more than. That. And again, by all means, if someone is going to get the three hundred million dollars, I hope it's Dylan Sees. But I think that if they cannot get to that point, okay, if Chris Getz does not have 300 million, 350 million to pay Cease, then you have to be realistic with yourself and say, I know that I'm going to part ways with him. I'm going to get the biggest payday for this guy moving down the road. And then instead of looking for one guy externally, because you're going to have one guy internally, then you have to go and then say, we have to look for two guys externally, because obviously then that's a different conversation. I just think today is going to be very hard extending Cease with considering who his agent is. In Scott Boris. I just think that it's very tough competing against Scott Boris.
1: I just don't think, because I, I feel Cease would sign that, but I don't think the agent has that leverage coming off the season that Dylan had to get to those numbers that he wants to get to. So, in saying that, like I said before, I'm not extending Cease until 25 because we have, one, you know, next year to see where he really falls with his performance. So that wraps up our White Sox talk for the, the, at least the topics recently. Now we're going to go to our external look of what we would do if we were Chris Getz.
0: Wait, quick, quick, quick on that one, Don. So, so you're yep. telling me that you're rooting against Sale in 25 or you're rooting for him? Because worst case scenario, best case scenario for Chris Sale, he goes and has a Cy Young type season. And then you went from 25 to whatever number he wants. Because mind you, Otani's also going to set the market if he decides to pitch and hit. So again, that one year.
1: Cease, not sale.
0: Uh, cease. I keep saying sale because yeah. again, sorry. So, C's.
1: No, I mean obviously I'm rooting for cease, and for me it really doesn't matter because we have the caps. We have, if you look at the, the books right now, we have the space to make it work. Okay. But again, like if we can't get to that middle ground. Then yeah, you're gonna have to trade him next year.
0: Cal Control, he just got released right now. There you go. That's your third starter.
1: So going to the external outlook with free agency and trades. Obviously, we broke down the internal look. We know what they need right now. They need a second base, right fielder, short or center uh, catcher, at least until Cuero gets up. They have a Three catcher. Three pitchers. They have I know, a catcher. Said, yeah, we we got one catcher. Corey Lee. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, you're saying they're going to bring in a second backup – like they're bringing in a backup catcher slash starter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Most starters. Hold on. So then we got three starting pitchers, <laughs> and that's about it. I mean, you can go with one right uh, relief pitcher, but
0: – Who's the starting pitcher? Can fill that up. Huh? Who's the starting pitcher? The two? Well, you said you'd have three.
1: No, I said we have to sign three.
0: Oh, oh, okay. Because I was going to say, because yeah, right yeah. now they got Cease. Tuki, Tuki Tuki's son, who's a starter. Kopeck, we don't know. Uh, I would go Mark's coming back from injury.
1: I'm going Cease and Estrany, Martin, Davis, Davis Martin.
2: Martin. I'm sorry, Davis. Mills oh, he's
0: signed though. Yeah. So Davis. I'm so sorry. guys that have actually, because I think Kopeck, they're going to have to decide what they want to do. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, if it's bullpen. me, I'm moving Kopech to the bullpen. I'm putting Cease in and Estrani in rotation. So it
0: would be in the bullpen. It'd be like Santos, mm-hmm. Kopech, uh, big uh, big lefty, not named Bummer. Um, yeah, actually, so I would make him my closer. For the
1: bullpen, you're going to have Kopech, Leisure, Cronin. Bert, Thompson, okay. crochet, crochet eater. I I actually want um, to
2: see Luis Patino get some more run in the rotation too.
1: Yeah, I, I actually mean, don't mind that bullpen. Yeah, we already talked about that. The internal look. So when I was talking about getting aggressive, I'm just going to start at second base. This is going to be um, interesting, by the way. Just what yes, minute are I'm we making in a or trade, a <laughs> Yeah, 41 minutes in. Um, I'm making a trades to the Rockies. I'm going to get Brendan Rogers here for $4.2 million. And he's got another year of arbitration and 25 and that's it. So because the arbitration years, the trade value is going to be low. You can get him for a good quality price. Um, if you don't like him, I mean, that, that'd be my first option. My second option is going for a guy in his last year of arbitration. And that's Glabor Torres for 14.2 million. So that money deal that. Uh, or OJ, you said who can you replace for fourteen million? Well, you can do it with Glabar, who had two better years so, than TA did. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Have you seen Glaber's numbers? Yeah. And you still think well, they're better than TA's? Yes. Okay. He does bring the power aspect that everybody everybody says. Hey, go, Gonzo, go long team, thinking, go long.
2: I was thinking about it at second base. What about Isaiah Kindra Falefa on a one year? For some, nice, some good. Depth I like of
0: that metal.
1: I like but that. The talk was for him was going to shortstop.
0: Okay, so
1: Glaber Torres, or so who
0: are you giving up? Number one, Glaber ain't going to be cheap for the trade, or neither is Rogers.
1: No, they both are. Did you trade the arbitra- due to the arbitration?
0: Yeah. So you can trade a sack of baseballs and then you get them back.
1: I mean, you're going to probably trade some quality. Pitching prospects.
0: That's what I'm saying. So who's, yeah. what pitching prospects are you parting ways with?
1: You're probably going to start, at least for Rogers, and some of these other guys I'm going to bring up, you're probably starting with Sean Burke.
0: So in a season where you need Matthew pitching,
1: Thompson. Well, again, these are starting pitching prospects that weren't going to be in my rotation to begin with. Okay. So
0: uh um, we got Glaber and we got Rogers.
1: Rodgers, Rogers is for me first priority. For a second base trade, I'm putting more emphasis on Rodgers with Colorado. So Rodgers
0: is your first move. Glaber is your second move. Yeah. Okay.
1: Just because with the money aspect of it, with the needs, I want to go with Rodgers and spend more money. How elsewhere. much money
0: is Rodgers going to get?
1: Four point two in arbitration this year. That's the target. It's a little
0: bit more affordable than fourteen.
1: Yeah. And you got any more to add before we go? I was going to move to right field.
0: I think second (laughs) baseman, we're going to see either Popeye or Lenny Sosa. And I think that you fix the problem internally, because unless you are going full, let's try to scramble and put something quick together and strike lightning in a bottle with the great Pedro Grifol, you don't sign anybody. You get to find out who's really, really, really. Down in the minor leagues can come and make a major league impact. There was no other greatest player in the minor leagues than Joan Moncada. We've seen when my boys have been struggling in the big leagues. If you hit 350 in the minor leagues, you're probably hitting 250 in the, mi- in the big leagues, unless you're a special case. And there has not been anybody that they have called up since maybe Crochet that when you see him on the mound or you see him in the game, you go, wow, that guy's Miguel Cabrera. That guy is Grady Sizemore. That guy is, what's the kid's name? That just won the, the Orioles, that just won the, you know, yeah, Carol. Yeah, like he's not a dude. You don't say, wow, that guy's a dude. He's not a Connor Burner. I went to the Hawks game, don't know nothing about hockey. I saw the guy warming up. I said, that's the best player on this team. That's the best player in this whole arena. And I didn't know Another. who he was. So let it, we got to um, find out who Sosa is. We got to find out who Popeye is. We got to find out everybody that you guys are obsessed with in the minor leagues. If this is the year, that they have a they have a, a year to be able to put it together. And if Pedro's such a great groomer and mentor and all that, you if you have somebody in the minor leagues that can play that position, I think you try to you put him in there. Well, oh so OJ, OJ,
2: that, OJ, that's why I said Isaiah Connor for because if you look at what type of contract he's gonna get, he's not gonna get like anything that's gonna block any of those guys from playing second base. Nope. He'll just be a depth piece, basically Leary 2.0. And with you know, the injury history of the White Sox, you don't have to worry about uh, IKF getting overexposure because he can obviously handle 320 to 400 at-bats
0: a season. This will never happen because he's related to us, but our cousin, Eddie Adrianza, who has more than 10 years in the big leagues, never gotten a shot to play every day, not as of yet, because of the battles with his injury, could be very, very affordable and you can platoon him at second and at short and give guys that bats on both ends. And it will not also block anybody coming in. And he will catch the ball. And he will give you good at-bats having a great winter. But unless you can pull off one of these two moves. But by the way, if they pull off the Roger move for 4.2 because of who he is as a player. That could be a diamond in the rough because of the potential. Blaber at 14 might be a little bit too high for my taste. And the way of mm-hmm. the player that he is. Um, but again, it sounds sexy. But if you can get someone like Connor or someone like. Area Alianza to kind of be that bridge gap in one year. I would stay away from bringing any in, like bringing in the Elvis Andrews. We tried that last year, bringing in a veteran guy. That's
1: yeah, going to block. With that. I'm
0: I'm not doing that. You're either going to bring the second baseman you're trying to sign for the future, or you give somebody a shot just to bridge that gap and see what
1: you and have there. Rogers has vers- versatility because he can also go over to third base just in case. So I'm happy well, Moncada, Mon- by the way, they got to think about Mon-
0: Moncada's gone after this year. There, there's no, there's no yeah. way that they're picking up a $25 million option.
1: No. No, which I, I'm assuming Montgomery and Ramos are coming up next year. So, all right, right field, uh, my first priority would be going to trade with Justin's Boston Red Sox and getting Verdugo. Um, Verdugo is... You, you. All right, go ahead. Go
2: ahead. Yeah. Who are you Verdugo. giving up
1: for Verdugo? Verdugo, again, he's on arbitration. So, again, you have to start somewhere. So, But I'm saying these are my trade options. I'll try to get it done, but his value is at $9.2 million.
2: You know, you want to know what's crazy? Um, I was thinking that as soon as you said right field, the White Sox make a trade. Um, but... Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, like look at look at how much success we've had at the position after Jermaine Die. You know, it's like I can't really expect us to improve at the position no matter who we sign. Just it's like the Bears quarterback situation. It's been a black hole. Um, honestly, Gonzo. Uh, I mean, yeah, Alex Verdugo sounds good. I want I want the White Sox to sign my boy Randall Grichick on a one-year deal, similar as uh, IKF. Because another hole on the roster that nobody is talking about, uh, backup center field has been fucking abysmal, and we have been unprofessional at that position too. I mean, we've had fourth outfielders, but none of them been viable behind Luis Robin in center field. At least you can move a guy like, uh, you know, Adam Duvall or uh, Randall Griechek into center field on some days where Luis needs a, a day off or a weekend off.
0: I would like if they were if they were thinking about the future I would they, they mess up not bringing him in early on and they use the word athletic and versatility. Remember you can always move Pantera to to right. Okay? You try to move for some one of the guys in Arizona. Alec Thomas bring a guy that can potentially lead off, you bring speed in. Yeah. Um you, uh and again, I, I love the Greek Situation because it's just one year. Okay, I like the Berdugo. Uh, Nine point two is not a lot of money, and I think he's going to go off this year because he knows he's going after a payday.
2: And he could so, and, and he could slide in behind Luis Robert in center field too. Correct. And don't lose that much.
0: Here, uh, here's the other one that's interesting though. If they are going wild and crazy, and you talked about potentially signing a guy for the hundred mil mark, there's a free agent right now who I was very shocked that they did not pick up his option in Teoscar Hernandez. Okay. At 31 years old, he was making the market value for him is like right around 17 million. Again, the dangerous part of, of him. Okay. Is that he is okay. um, Potentially going to play a position where they've had really bad luck. There's a player you haven't mentioned yet. And I think that they're going to consider this player just because they're obsessed with the Kansas City Royals. And this player can play two positions. I think that we are going Whit. to see them with Merrifield. Whit. <laughs> and he potentially <laughs> will be leading off because I think that at 34 years old, they're going to say that he will be a great clubhouse leader. I was going to say, he will you play... talk
2: about culture. I want the new regime watching With Merrifield, tuck his jersey in lace his cleats up every day just being around a guy like that
0: so it'll be Wetterfield Ben Attendee basically Royals a couple years ago so I could see them going after him at right field and second base and platooning them and having a little I'm
2: going to see what my boy Joe Randa do and see if they want to get the gang um, back
0: together but I think that this conversation going down, I just don't think that they see Oscar Cole as a solution moving forward, I really don't I think they exposed him I think that, unfortunately, my prediction that he was not going to be better than Diane DeSedo is coming to fruition, uh, because I don't see them giving him a chance every day anymore. Uh, and they might move away from that, um, especially when they said athletic, we want to get more versatile. I can see them using Colas as the scapegoat and not moving and moving away from him.
1: Yeah, and the other guy that I was going to target, I would actually get both, both of them, because I'm going to try to trade Eloy out of here. Um, Santander in Baltimore. Santander. That's, That's a Santander. Good. That's fourteen point one million. And I, I would get both because I would DH Santan uh, Santander, and uh, he'd, been, he, he'd be also my utility outfielder um, when he's
0: not DH. By the way, is there a is there a place for Eloy on the Orioles? DH. They don't have a full time DH, right? Yeah. No. So I think that he has a very unique market because I think that if he is healthy, he can still produce where a team would take a, a shot at him. And and from a production standpoint, just, you know, um, I even thought about like Cleveland, like just random teams that usually go get a DH, um, the Marlins, uh, they just got, they just lost Solaire. So any, I think that there's a market for, for Eloy that no one's really talking about. And then if oh, you make he, that move. No,
2: you just mentioned, you just mentioned not to cut you off, big dog, but you just mentioned. Uh, the Diamondbacks—that's a team that's in desperate need of right-hand power. power.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can you can bring you can lure back any type of return again, be it a pitcher or being a position player, where he could probably fix. Uh, again, when you're looking at those teams, and you're looking at Eloy. If you can bring any type of catcher that might be Memo, be ready uh, and have him battle out with Corey Lee. What I don't want to happen with Corey Lee, and I don't think anybody in the White Sox moving forward should have a position given to them. I want to see guys battle it out. I really like the the Cubs situation where they made Nico Horner fight for it, and eventually played as well into being a second baseman, but lost a shortstop position. I, the White Sox don't have anyone, even including Carlson, where I say this guy is going to be a starter every single day because every person they've done that with, other than Andrew Vaughn, pretty much not done a really good job. And I really, and again, I think Andrew's done a really good job because. He had a battle for for that spot against Abreu and and really show it. And he was playing out of position and whatnot. But again, he was playing against fighting against Larry, fighting against Gavin Sheets. So it wasn't his position, even though I told people it was. So I really want to see competition. So whatever happens in that in that uh, catching position, which I think they're going to try to do everything possible to bring in over Salvador Perez, I would like to see a younger player and then really battle it out um, between Corey Lee and whoever that that backup catcher is going to be.
1: Yeah. Or, or again,
0: starting backup like no one's a starter, no one's a backup.
1: So another name right field I would keep an eye on would be Lane Thomas in Washington. Um, definitely, you'd have to give up more for that guy, but again, my, I prioritize Verdugo and Santander. Um, but again, a name uh, OJ I want to bring up at catcher um, that would be a uh, veteran type to to go with Lee would be Mitch Garver. Um, his market value right now is at ten million. Um, he'd be an interesting cat to bring in.
2: Well and um, um, and with Mitch Garver too, uh he's gonna be in the line. You're gonna have two catchers in the starting lineup if you sign Mitch Garver, because you're not gonna sacrifice Corey Lee's at bats. You'll just put Mitch Garver at the uh D H spot. So because you won't – because at a, at a, you'll do exactly what uh, the Rangers did, having Garber as the DH with Heim behind the plate.
1: Yeah, which what is do you fine. Cause you can move Verdugo over to left if you need to put Sandir in right and then put Garber at DH. Like, you, you can play with that. And what's – with those numbers. Goes well, one the thing that's
0: going to be interesting, because I know the Sox – and, again, it's really hard to predict because it's a different front office, so – um, and, you know, Tony's still involved and but again, it's, I think it's totally different when the names like Matt Chapman that are still out there in the free agency, um, and we're going to find out very soon and very quickly that if the first move is made for a guy that's an average player above 30, that if you make one move for one of those guys that you actually should just make a move and kind of try to strike lightning in a bottle and not do a half rebuild half kind of middle of the road players. Like if you bring Salvador Perez, then sign Whitmerfield, sign Chapman, sign a right fielder and kind of really put it all together as quickly as possible. And if you're going all youngsters, let's, you know, we lost 101 games with like our, our team. We're going to go young and see if we can win more than 101 games. I think if you do that, it's going to be very interesting. There's a couple pitchers in the free agent market that I always like pitching and the Sox, not having any of it, I think that you could sign a big-name pitcher and make it the number one or number two to Steeze, that if you were to walk away from Steese, you still have one guy left there. Because I think that's the best market right now is the starting pitcher market based on who they are and and what their uh, age is. Um, considering any other position, there's a lot of guys that you can fill in, but I think the biggest impact on a player that's a franchise player is in the starting position, starting pitching position.
1: So when I was building this outlook, right, I was making trades with second base, right field, because I'm saving my money up for this pitching, like you're talking about. My main priority, Mister Yamamoto, twenty five million starting. He's my top priority. If Over Nola? Yes. Due really? to age? Due to age? Yes. Yeah, so you're thinking, Yama, you're thinking, Yamamoto's you're thinking 25?
0: hold on. So you're thinking more that he is going to be more, I guess you can say Otani. But again, he's
1: a two way player at, than Irabu. Cody Senga, the numbers he put up in the pigs his first year. And this is a guy and I mean, but that has it, I mean, Cody mean,
2: it was a tale of two halves. He was a walk machine in the first half, the second half. Once he got acclimated with this side of you know baseball, you really see him start to settle in. But uh, Gonzo
1: Yamamoto, Yamamoto yeah, and
0: Gonzo—that—that's a—that's a—you're that's a, uh, going for. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to one up you. And I think that the guy they're going to go after, just because they're comfort level guys, and they're going to play the Grifolis Cubano, and we have. Pantera and all this Cuban, and we're gonna all be hanging out. And at the age of 26, you're gonna have that kid, Yariel Rodriguez, uh try to come up and pitch in the in the big leagues. Um with 26 years old. I think the White Sox are gonna say, Hey, let's go after this. You know, we got the Contreras history book, the mini Minoso, there's your marketing. We'll have him in Pantera sitting down together with Griffol reading them. Uh, stories of the Cuban history, and he will be your starter for the future. So, I think I'm thinking more Cuban Yariel than Yamamoto, my friend.
1: Wow, but I'm saying, like, I'm talking aggressive, man. We, we, if I'm Chris, Guess, by the way, Yariel's not aggressive, but he's
0: everyone's talking that he's one of the best top prospect pitchers of all time
1: out of Cuba. So, I'm let me let me ask Cuba, you, Gonzo, but... so let me ask you
2: if the White Sox. So I I, I, kind of, I think we're all on the same page because we all want the White Sox. If they do take a big swing, it should be in the rotation. That's where they could have uh, more success. What about Sonny Gray?
0: At 34 years old? Nah, I think you, Sonny Gray has to go to a team that's going to win, like look ready to win. Because I, mod-
2: I could give him a modest three-year deal.
0: No. No chance. I wouldn't. That's Lance Lynn all over again. He's better yeah, than Lynn. Now, I don't care if he, I don't care if he's ten times better than Lynn. At thirty-four years old, you're at the back end. You bring a guy like that if you're ready to win, not in a staff that you don't know. We that are prepared
2: every night to kick your ass. No, OJ.
0: no yeah, great. But. By the way, that's by the way, the Chris gets the first move that Chris gets needs to make, and people are going to say that I am saying this because of the sperm race that I won. Okay. But it is not true. Take him out completely out of the equation. I actually like Charlie, Mon- Charlie who's a bench coach, a lot better options. Pedro's leash has to be so short. Okay. Mm-hmm. So short. Because there is nothing that he did. Nothing. Absolutely zero. And his offseason has gotten worse because he is now becoming a guy where even the media is showing up and saying, this guy's just a climber. Like anything Gets says, he just goes out and repeats. It's getting to a point where he talks about players when they leave after he said that he was obsessed with them and loved them. And I'm going to be honest with you, dude, I don't care how toxic players are in the clubhouse. You need the players in the clubhouse to to fight for you. And there's only so many times a baseball player can say, this guy's full of it. Because when he goes into his meeting and starts saying that, you know, we're the right people here. that We're the right guys here. There's a lot of guys that left the team that are friends with a lot of guys in there. A lot of great players that were on that team last year, like Berger, uh, like, for example, TA, that the comments that he has made, I don't know. I don't know. You can't lose something you never had. So I don't think he ever had the clubhouse. So I'm not going to say he lost it because I don't think he ever got it. But it's going to be interesting because if Charlie Montoya was to come in and say, hey, new look, new this, this is me, Charlie, I'm the guy in charge now. That's a different story than Pedro and all the stuff that he said. They can look up the receipts, the tweet again saying, does this guy not know that we have video of everything that he's said since day one? So I, it's gotten to the point where you're not impressed by his ex the You have a staff now that you really have to manage because if it's a young bullpen a young staff and that's going to be that could be a disaster you have young players and his history of not playing guys yeah. of sitting guys down i just think that it's all coming together again unless he's cool with like chris Getz just saying hey we're going to make the lineup for you we're going to do this and you're just basically going to sit there and talk about offense and defense but that's a big take on how they go either to win it all or to rebuild it all they need to make a decision on that quick and i'm going to be honest with you, there's a lot of people today on the fence on Chris Gets because he has had some positive things. I think his off, I think his coaching staff that he brought in with Marcus Thames and Butera and the guys that he brought in, great, great coaches. They got great resumes, really hard nosed players. I like that. Regardless of what their philosophy is, we'll see how they do. And then their front office, ah, uh, hiring with with uh, Barfield and Bannister, solid guys with solid resumes. So Chris has had some some moments of of just clarity and he's made some good points. But I think a lot of people are on the fence with him because he is sticking with Pedro. So I think that's going to be an interesting move. And I'm going to be honest with you. That's a conversation if you're a top free agent, okay, especially these guys like the Nolas, like the Yamamotos, those guys are asking you, who's going to be the manager here next year? Is it this guy? Okay, that's the big difference too when you're building in the future. Guys are going to ask you, hey, who's the skipper here? You know, and and when you have a guy that his credentials a little bit better, and again, Charlie Mo- Charlie did a great job in Toronto. He got axed out because he wanted to do it his way and he was hard on the players. It was it was more about the players not responding to him because he was too hard on them, not because he was a bad manager. So he's had success. So it's going to be interesting how they move forward on that uh, because I think that in the free agent market, that's something that they look into.
1: So after after Yamamoto, my last two guys I, I would go after would be Sean Maneo. His market value is at let twelve it, million. Let what? it go. Let it go. No. No. Oh man, what is this? Why, five years in a row. It, why let it go? This is this is an inning eater guy. Oh my god. You need at look looking at what's Blake's, out there. Just
0: bring Blake Snell then.
2: Okay, okay, okay. Let me ask you this: What what in God's mm-hmm. name is the point of an inning eater if he's throwing batting practice?
1: What do you mean, betting practice? Is the area was three last year? Come on, bro. By the way, he was pitching in San Francisco.
0: Yeah. Good. Well, you're going to compare San Francisco. Like, again, that's that's a big say. Again, if you're going to go Sean Manea, okay, in my opinion, if you go Sean Manea, this team is ready to make a run at the division. You're not bringing again, Sean Manea to test out. I'm getting aggressive. No, no, correct. I'm, aggressive. So I don't mind it. Again, I would like Blake Snail over I him. I don't. Well,
1: well, obviously, but I'm just saying OJ, you're gonna get aggressive. OJ, cease. Yamamoto, one, two. All right. Gonzo, I'm still going no, out my Gonzo, rotation uh, on Shamanaya's at this point.
2: I have
1: a question. I have a I question. Him. So you
0: like you like Manea more than Clevenger.
1: For for the money, because I'm talking money right now. For the so value. how much is
0: he going to be? He is signed for two years, twenty five million dollars. So he's probably going to ask for the same amount of money, twelve maybe. Manea no, dropped
1: it's, the value dropped less. It's at twelve. Okay. Cleve is like sixteen. So okay, never,
0: I'm I'm about to be a rich man.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and that's why because thing with San Fran is they he started the off or he started the season last year in the bullpen. They they put him in the bullpen, not the rotation. So I think that fucked up with him when he, he was in, what, four or five years with the A's in the starting rotation, eating up. I mean, but he wasn't innings. good.
2: How are you going to put him in the well, rotation? He, mean, he wasn't right?
1: good. I don't see eye to eye with you on Sean Maneo when he was in Oakland. Just So, he was so, up Plesak, there and,
0: so who's that with right now? He's in AAA with somebody. He's on somebody's roster, right? Ain't yeah. with Cleveland still? He's with Cleveland, Actually, right? Uh,
1: But i was going to wrap it up after Maneo. My third guy would be Jack Flaherty for 11 million, 28-year-old. That's Um, the guy.
2: I don't think he was as bad as he was last year, Gonzo. I think that's one of the the guys that you could probably strike lightning in a bottle with.
1: Yeah, I'm doing that with both of them because I, I I think both of them were in the right places. Gonzo, can you put
0: this on paper? Because I'm going to be honest with you. If you're able to pull this off, okay, and it says here, please like elect a free agency following the season on October 13th. So he's a free agent. So everybody knows that I love Zach. He's a guy that I've been so up on his potential. Find him, sign him, put him in the Cats project. Let's see what do you think Cats can do with him. He's an analytical guy. Take a long shot at him. Guys like that. But again, if you put this in there and you're around the, 180 mark
1: i was going to break it down in like a couple seconds here
0: oh you were i'm saying is it under
1: 180 it's right there it's like 182
0: so if you pull this off if you're telling me that you put together a lineup with all the moves even even if it's like just 50 of what you said names wise because the names that you mentioned I think you put them all together. I think that you could compete for the division, meaning you're not losing 101 games.
1: Which in. is why, OJ, oh yeah, this is why I I said I disagreed with you earlier when we were talking about Timmy, because I said if they are aggressive, I believe they can turn this around real quick, but it relies on how aggressive Chris. Well, has correct, and to I, and I was
0: being and you're right about saying the aggressive part. I was going more like they're going to rebuild and like take longer and kind of let their own homegrown guys do it. But the names that you mentioned out there, the way that you laid it out. If, if money-wise, again, and I'm—I haven't done the math. You're better at values. You're really good at values of like what players are worth. Obviously, you guys are listening to the show and watching to the show. I'm friends with two guys. That I don't know how much money they were gonna make, which I'm about to text and say you're about to be really, really rich, dudes. I'm never <laughs> paying for anything for you guys ever again.
1: But and one of those, one of those is one of my favorites too.
0: So I'm just saying, like, so from a value standpoint, if you're able to put this together, okay, mind you, we're three dudes on a show. That love baseball, love talking this, we're using public information. We're not, we're not experts at this. We all have day jobs. We would love to work in the game of baseball and be able to make the decisions. But if two dudes that are constantly talking White Sox baseball, who are nothing special out of the ordinary, okay, there's no geniuses here. If you could put together, okay, in an hour and nine minutes, a lineup that looks like they can somewhat compete, by the way, even with Verfull as a manager mind you, under $190 million. This is my concern now. How come the White Sox front office can't do that?
1: And I'll get there in a second. Um, I want to, so those were my three names, Yamamoto, Maneo Flaherty. Um, two other guys. So if I struck on Yamamoto, then I would rest on Rodriguez or um, I was thinking Trevor Bauer. Um, Ooh. His market value, yeah, his market value is looking at like 21 million. Damn. Um, yeah, that was, was, was looking interesting. And then the other Japanese, this is an under under the radar guy, kind of like the Rodriguez that you brought up, the Cuban, um, the lefty, the Japanese lefty, um, Imanga, manga, Imanga. I can't pronounce it. But, I like uh,
0: him because he's a lefty, though. I, I yeah, you got, you got his yeah. name. I don't know. I'm, I'm horrible at pronouncing uh, the Japanese names. I like yeah. him because I think everybody else is going to jump on him. I actually like him more than the Cuban guy. To be honest with you, I, I'm staying away from the Cuban starter. I, I was would, like
1: if I got Yamamoto, like why not go after instead of Moneo with that value, yeah. bump it up, bump it He's up a bit, another, and get. Uh, Gonzo,
2: remember that guy for the the Yankees, K. Igawa, Japanese left handed guy. That's, yeah, yeah. that's 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 two You're talking about right now.
0: So if you so if you can get all those guys again, the names that we're throwing out there before I thought it was like unfeasible to be able to reconstruct in one year, kind of like put it Mm -hmm. together. And I still think that the, the part that's very interesting. Okay. And what I like about your plan. And again, we are debating again against the Tim Anderson thing. I I guess I had more value on Tim than most, but is that you didn't block any position of guys that are up and coming because number one prospect is Colson. I would say Mm -hmm. two is Brian Ramos. Um I I just actually somebody told me that they have Brian Ramos higher than Colson and the person that told me this I I highly respect when it comes to scouting. So first person to tell me that. Uh, Gonzo's about even, to
2: cream, right? No, now.
0: Gonzo by the way, Gonzo, Gonzo, Gonzo was big on Brian Ramos when he as mo, as soon as they drafted him. So Brian Ramos is a Gonzo guy through and through from the beginning. Gonzo takes 100% credit for that if Brian Ramos ever pans out. He's been on him since day one. But somebody told me that I respect in baseball because, again, everyone's on Colson. okay, everyone. It's not just you guys. It's literally everyone in baseball. It's it's a huge, huge, huge free, uh, uh, prospect. Everyone in the game thinks he's good. So if he does not make it, everyone in baseball is wrong. Ryan Ramos, on the other hand, a lot of people like him, but they don't have him higher than, than Colson. Again, in the big league level, this could happen. So those are the only two guys, I think, position-wise – that are, I can see in everyone's prediction in MLB them being on the team in the next 2 years. But the other positions that you guys are replacing, I don't see any pitchers coming up. We don't have a young Dylan Cease in the minor leagues. We don't have a young Chris Sale in the minor leagues. We don't have we don't have Crochet in the minor league. We need they need pitching. So if you can use this money like Gonzo's doing right now and build on that pitching, mind you, starting pitching because I said earlier in the show I like the bullpen. I like the crochet, the the, the Santos, um, the Copac. I think a manager that has an acumen for handling bullpen guys and letting Ethan Katz kind of do his thing with his pitchers, I think that you have a bullpen already that you can compete with and then maybe add one or veteran or two down the road if you need it. But I really believe that you need to rebuild on this staff as soon as possible because, again, a lot of people out there are obsessed with the hitting, ball go long, I team think, go uh, long. I think you build on pitching, man. I think pitching, it's easier to have solid pitching than, than try to go and sign a Tosca to Hernandez if you, if you, for like if you, a long if you, term. If
2: you look at the trades that we made, O.J., uh it looks like what they're going to do, to your point, your plan is already taking hold this year. They're going to get as many kids as they can in the Cats lab. And they're gonna use these open slots in the rotation as an opportunity to kick the tires on everybody at the same time. Like I said it earlier when they uh when they started to make the transition away from Rick Hahn, They want to bring Project Birmingham to life. The easiest way to do that is to make sure you have a pipeline of young arms that are ready to go. We may be we might see over 20 different starting pitchers is that worth it though Sox.
0: that's oak that's oakland though if oakland has the white Sox pitching last year they're in third place they're not the worst team in major league baseball i think that pitching considering the fact that you might lose these in two years and it gives you a way better position of negotiation i think that there's pitchers in the open market internationally and domestically on names of guys that can anchor a starting rotation. That you are at least going to be 500 for the next five years. If you go ahead and you go and say, "I'm, we're going 100% young," and the only starter that's on the rotation, a legit starter, is Dylan Cease, and you don't know what Tuki's going to bring, and then you have another four starters just being out there. Let's see who's going to make it. You could lose 100 games a couple years in a row because starting pitching, okay, is so important because we're talking about innings that are. If you have a person destroy your bullpen on a Monday night game, you're shot for the rest of the series. You're done. Yeah. Your bullpen is destroyed. Yeah. There's nothing worse that destroys a good bullpen, which, mind you, I think that the reason the White Sox bullpen struggled in this season and in previous season is because of starting pitching did not give them the best chance possible. If, mm-hmm. you put the, if you pulled the bullpen with the starting staff of the Minnesota Twins, that bullpen looks way better. But they were overexposed, overused, mishandled horribly by one of the worst things that Pedro Grifol did was bullpen management and pitching, okay? Mind you, with the help of analytics, Ethan Katz and someone really helping him manage the bullpen. If you have starters that are at least going to give you, Trevor Bowers of the world, okay? The Meneas, the Nolas, if you spend money on guys that can eat that, I think that you can rebuild. You're at least going to get back to, I'm not saying winning a division next year, but you're going to build better culture Getting back to 500, because here's one thing, guys. I don't care how big of a guru you are in culture. Any team that's losing 101 games, that's not culture. Everybody there is like, we suck. Yeah. Okay. And you're just ruining it. Colson Montgomery is like, I don't want to come and win, be on a 100-game losing team. So they need to get back to 500 and at least flirt with like, ooh, we, we, we were kind of fighting for the division. And You kind of get that taste in. Mind you, why do I believe this? When Ozzy Guillen took over the team in 2005, okay, and no one notices this because they always notice the trade. All the guys that have been on the White Sox from the previous regime, bless Jerry Manuel's heart. He did a great job getting a lot of those guys ready for big league baseball. And he was the one that took the heart, you know, the, the pain and the heartaches with those guys. But all those guys were in the league like four to five years in that when it was time for them to shine, they're ready to go. Burley, Garland, Rowan, treaty So that core... Of those players that were the young guys at one point in the early 2000s, in the later 2000s, they were the guys that got that team to greatness, filled in with a couple guys in in um, in free agency. So, again, those guys were not losing 100 games. They were continually battling and battling and getting beat and getting beat and almost making it and Minnesota taking it. I think you need a little bit of that in order to have growth, regardless of who the manager is. So I think that they need to get to a point where they need to win as many games as possible and not tank and not go for a number one prospect. They need to get to 500 as soon as possible and start playing decent baseball where you're flirting and saying, at least we're looking at guys now and the potential they have. And with the roster that Chris Gonzalez just gave right now, and if he can pull it off mathematically, and if Gonzalez can put that team together on paper, I don't see why the White Sox front office can't do it.
1: So before I wrap the number breakdown that I did, um, I mentioned I wanted to trade Eloy and I'm looking to trade him for that shortstop. Um, this would be over the end for me, but I'm trying to trade him cause I know the brewers were interested in him. So I'm trying to get Willie Adamas out of it or, um, uh, trade him to Seattle, maybe get JP Crawford, um, to lead off my lineup, but that's, that'd be over the top, I think. But I just want to get that 13 million off the books, um, and get, cause I already have Santin Deer coming in. Who's more reliable than Eloy? So that's that's a priority for me. But the numbers crunch of this is on the books right now for 24 this off season is 84.5 million before arbitration. After all the arbitration is done, the target of arbitration is looking to be at 101 million altogether. So that's only what 15 or. Yeah, 16 million added onto the books of so that 84 million. So you're at 101 million at, on the books after arbitration. My breakdown of Rogers at 4.2 million, Verdugo at 9.2 million, Santander at 14.1, Garver at 10, Yamamoto 25, Manea at 12, Flaherty at 11, that all totals up to 85.5 million. You subtract Eloy's 13 million off of that. And you're at a total of 72.5 million covered on those names. So 72.5 plus that 101, you're at what? 183.5 million on the books. That puts you at the 180, between the 180 and 190 range that they're talking about going into next season. So I'm well within that range.
0: So the payroll this year was 175, 783. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so I'm going to. I'm only
1: it raising it. it. I'm only raising it by 11 million. <laughs> so that's what I'm
0: saying, though. So your delta, I, I believe that your delta should be 15 to 15 to 20 million, okay? Depending on how, if you're going forward or trying to rebuild or whatnot, not, um, at least 10 million should be your delta, just under inflation and you know, kind of like. But after the season that the White Sox just had, okay, where the White Sox fans have not had a White Sox Fest in I don't know how many how many years. Where you have taken away their four. broadcaster? It's four seasons. Okay, four years. No White Sox fans. You've taken away their fir- your favorite broadcaster. You did not sign a player like uh, Tim Anderson. Where you did not you traded Jake Berger, a fan favorite. Where you brought in an internal hire, where people wanted you to go out there and, and interview a bunch of people for the position. Where you hired a Pedro Griffo and sat there and let him. Talk the way that he did in the press conference, and and basically sell himself like he was the the next you know greatest manager of all time, and it was a fiasco when it is all those things that you're making like all the things that the White Sox fan have endured, okay, all through this last I'm gonna say since like the COVID year, like the hiring let's let's keep it real, majority of the fans were not happy that Tony La Russa was the manager, okay, we just had uh, Joe Espada who's my favorite. Obviously, with Ozzy to take over for the future, he just went to Houston. So all these things that are happening, you find out that that Tony is still in the front office. To the to the White Sox fan, especially to our fans out there in the cesspool on Twitter who are our listeners, I really think that they, they deserve this. They deserve an extra 15 million, 20 million dollars spend on them, splurged on them. I really do. I don't think that you can go in and then and then you're telling them we're not rebuilding. If you're really going to stand behind those words, you go out there and you put the best team together. Because one thing that I'm that they should definitely consider, now I'm going from my baseball talk to more of the financial talk. If they think they're going to go out there and it's going to be okay with them losing 100 games again, I don't know, man. I really think that this team can go and start looking at Oakland Athletic attendance. Because they've never drawn well as it was. And I feel like these fans are going to say, you know what, we're just not going to show up. And other than the 108 guys out there, they're going to still be out there. But everybody else that just buys that ticket, I don't think the White Sox, the franchise, can afford another 100-game losing season or two. And the quicker they fix that problem, I'm not even talking about them winning a division or, or going on a deep run. I'm talking about them just being relevant again. They need to get to that place as soon as possible, even with Pedro Grifols as a the manager. They need to get to like winning baseball and having – And that's what's going to change the culture because I don't think marketing is going to do it this time around. I think people have been, they've caught up to that point again. I really think that they need to do it with wins on the field. And I think if that's a $190 million budget, then you do it. You have to do it. You have to spend more than you did the previous year because I think the fans deserve it. And you guys know how much I'm always against the fans and what they think. I really think for what they've endured, in the past three years, 15, $20 million, they deserve that.
1: Yeah, and I, I was trying to be as idealistic as I could be, being aggressive, making it work with the budget that was projected to be allocated. Um, at the end of the day, like I said, Yamamoto is my top priority, and then 2025— Who would be your top
0: guy? Who would be your guy? Who would be your number one? If you had to do one thing today, what would you do? You have to do one. Your first move, Chris gets, brings you in, says, You're my guy, Gonzo. What would you do?
1: And I said it. My top priority is signing Yamamoto okay. to pair up with Cease. Because my my outlook would be Yamamoto's that big signing of 24. I'm extending Cease and 25, and they're both going to be 25, 30 million a piece there. So come 2026, 20, your top three is likely going to be Cease, Yamamoto, and then you're bringing up. Noah Schultz to be yeah sees Yamamoto Schultz for your top three in your rotation. That's going to be,
0: that's at least makes it interesting. Again, I like that. And and Dylan probably won't like this if he listens to this, but I I would, (laughs) I'm saying I would sign a free agent because then you could be more aggressive in negotiations. Like I have somebody that's almost as hot as you. Mm -hmm. So we can debate if you don't have anyone, then they know, the, the The agent I think knows that he has leverage on you and when you look at the I always look at the free agents and like where they're coming, I, I really like this class. Most people are like all about the draft picks and like the draft class. I like the free agent market. Like if you have a chance to get a couple really good players in the free agent market, like the, the, the Rogers and the arbitration borderline, if you can fix that up, you get back to being 500. Then from five hundred to you getting into the playoffs, that's a whole other different conversation. That's a manager switch, maybe a, a coach. a coach, you might bring in an extra. An extra OJ, what if
2: I what if I tell you next year? Right, I don't I don't guarantee anybody get statistically better. I don't guarantee health or anything. What if I told you next year the White Sox are a better base running and defensive team?
0: They're not losing hundred games. Period period same offensive stats same everything they're just get better at running the bases and catching the ball they're not I losing 100% I think that's games.
2: what they got to real they, I think that's what they got to do because if you look at what the White Sox turned into they turned into a team that can't really get any extra bags I think what Chris gets uh and Barfield uh what they want to do is they want to figure out how can they keep this White Sox team on the move keep them athletic and making sure that You don't have to rely on the OPS and the BABIP and the fucking ISO to score runs.
0: People are going to get mad at me for this because White Sox fans are obsessed with home runs, even in Ozzy's era. Even Ozzy's go-go White Sox hit more home runs than any other team in the league. They just thought that Ozzy was like all about stealing bases and bunting. What the Baltimore Orioles did and what the Arizona Diamondbacks did. I like that Barfield has been around that type of build of baseball because there was a lot of guys in that roster. And he just mentioned a guy, Rogers, where you find value. And it's like, if you would have gotten a Mitt field a lot younger and Ben is like that, where you can get value from a player and focus on winning, but the numbers are not that crazy offensively. Meaning you don't have a guy with 45 home runs, but it's a mix of everybody being average, but everyone doing the little things. Perfect. So Arizona, they hit the ball. They caught the ball. You dropped the ball. They were taking second. First to third, very easily. No one was not scoring from second base. Um, execution, runner on third base, driving them in. Not necessarily the bunt. If eight out of nine guys play with that level of baseball, you can get away with Yoan Moncada just being Yohan. Well, and just I mean, like...
2: you, Arizona had a lineup full of guys that could hit a chopper, two hopper. and beat Correct.
0: Them. But I think that there was no – there was one of the biggest disappointments, again, false prediction, was the first – five games of spring training. You guys can go look up these stats. The White Sox were running the bases. Okay. And mind you, I thought that, that, that Moncada and Tim Anderson and that combination of Pantera, they could have 25 stolen bases each. Um, not even trying just, um, you know uh, it, it's just in, in, in reality just like kind of just going with it and stealing bases they were one of the teams at least that took the the least advantage of the rule change. Yeah. When you look at, at getting that extra base. And I know a lot of people in analytics are against the stealing the bases and moving, but when you don't have, I understand what Chris gets is saying that it's easier to rebuild with looking for solid all around players than it is bringing in five guys that drop 40 home runs in today's game. That's, that's a lot harder and a lot harder on your pocket than being able to just fill in. Uh, and, and that's what the White Sox need to do. Like, what's And that's something that Pedro Grifol needs to do as a manager. Like right now, his DNA is we lost 100 games and we suck. But when you look at Cleveland is like great, like bad offensive team, great pitching, but catch the ball. Like everyone needs to have a DNA. The White Sox need to find what that is, especially when they lost guys that build that former DNA and kind of see, okay, moving forward, this is the type of team we're going to be whatever it is that they want to be, but really stick to it. And I really think that that average solid baseball player offensive doesn't have to be a juggernaut with good pitching, gets you closer to 500 than you just going out there and starting to say, we're going to have five guys hit 35 home runs. That's my reality uh, of how I think. And again, if Moncada hits 15, Andrew hits 25, you know, and Attendi hits five. Like when you put this stuff together, you really don't have to have – One guy hit 50. That's just my, that's just the way that I see it.
1: And that wraps up our external look chat. We were going to get into our MLB all-time series at third base of the show, but we're going to have to push that to the next one due to our time constraints for today. Um, Looking, going on, looking forward here. We're looking at coming back after Thanksgiving, after the holidays, we'll, we'll be on that first week of December, likely. Uh, when we start talking the winter meetings and we'll bring our all our MLB all-time series back to the show um but that is what is going on coming up here um guys want to do some shout outs here real quick before we wrap it up um I'll, leave, I'll let you start Justin give us a good shout out here uh I want to give
2: a shout out to the American League uh my favorite sports conference um You really had me on the ropes. I thought you guys were going to fold to Arizona, Arizona Diamondbacks. You didn't, you stood tall. Uh, You brought Creed back into relevance. So it was good for me as a baseball fan. Got to give a shout out to Asia. Of course, Triple OG, uh, hardest working woman. I know Um, White Sox could learn a lot from Asia. Too bad they're stupid. They don't even learn from Gonzo who basically just built a better team than the front office could and stayed well around budget. So, um, what can I say? Uh, I, if I'm being perfectly transparent, I actually miss the White Sox. I miss you all, Moncada. I even miss Aaron Bummer. Like that's where I'm at as a White Sox fan. I miss you guys.
0: So, I'm to be. I, I like the shout out that you made. I hate when people are saying that they're not going to watch the White Sox. That they're going to you're going to have a second. Yeah. That's fine. you're going to watch. I've been watching. I'm My father's been White fired. Sox. Released let go when you watch white Sox baseball you might not be watching comfortably but you're watching even if it's peeping through a back hole you're watching and you're okay oh, hey, hold on now
2: player
0: no you I'm are so you're watching it. from the back you saying, i don't care but you're watching <laughs> you're watching you're watching it's all bs saying that you're not watching i'm not gonna get my money to jerry bs you are watching okay you are watching stop pretending i'm still watching the bears so I've never been a guy that says, I'm not going to watch hey, especially hey, when the playing, man.
2: Talking about you still watching the Bears. They're okay. I
0: am watching the Bears. Again, I'm a fan. I, I can say that because I'm a, I'm a fan of the team. And I know that they're not at the greatest place ever. But I still watch them. So I can't pretend and say, I'm not going to be a fan of this team when I know that's not going to be true. And White Sox fans, 99.9% of them, if they sign Trevor Bauer, they sign somebody else, you might lose a couple guys or whatever. But it's not like you're not going nowhere. Okay? Like the team is still here, you're going nowhere. So stop pretending. Stop pre- you might not be a season ticket holder, but you're still watching. You might not drop 10 grand on the team, but you're still dropping 500. Again, that's You're going nowhere. You're going nowhere. Here's the thing. You sound like so, Randy Savage. Chris Gonzo's best show and it's Gonzo versus Gets now. Okay? Cuz Gonzo was able to pull a line of a pool of a, a roster that i think is pretty pretty good on paper pretty competitive team and oh, i haven't yeah. even looked at the numbers but i just looked at the just on the names itself i'm like man that's a that's a that's a solid team to compete in the american league central under 190 million so that's a barometer if Gonza could do it in his spare time with public information not even like straight up scouting info so i'm sure they have better info than we do then why can't you guys do it so Shout out to Gonzo for being able to pull that off. Shout out to all our listeners for being out there, for keeping it real. For those White Sox fans that are sticking around, shout out to you guys. And it's going to be it's it's an off season that's going to be interesting, um, because now it's a slow. It, it's getting back to five hundred is is a goal for them. It's getting back to five hundred. Um, and shout out to my boy, David Ross, that got done wrong, got taken out, like, uh, got executed from the back. And I'm super salty about that, but we'll keep that for another show. Uh, I've been thinking about him this past.
2: They treated week. him like Ned Stark, uh, OJ.
0: They did. They did. It was one of those episodes that you keep playing in your back and then you find out yesterday that allegedly he texted console, wishing him good luck. He's a way better man than me. I would have told him to F off. And <laughs> told all my and told all of my players to oh and then my next shout out is finally uh, I'm very excited the Houston Astros went internally and and are giving Joe Espada a chance to be a manager um good good family friend he coached with Ozzy in 2012 with the Marlins great coach even back then and I think it's gonna be, he's gonna be a good guy for the game of baseball um and I and I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does with the with the Astros so and again we'll see you guys in a couple weeks hopefully right by after the holidays
1: yeah and as I'm about to do my shout out I'm just gonna put what my ideal roster was after doing this external breakdown um just so the chat so just so we have it on paper here because I would love to see it happen um but my shout out I gotta shout out my one and only Soraya She's at class right now. She that exam that she took uh, last or two shows ago. She nailed. She got ninety eight on it. Yeah, um, proud of her. Yeah, uh, she's got another test on Thursday. Test number three. So she's nervous about that. I know she'll nail that too.
0: For all um, we know, she picked your roster too. How do we know this is your <laughs> roster? How do we know this is you and not hers?
2: Exactly.
1: We got we got our secrets, OJ. We have our secrets. I'm um, gonna put the rotation here for you too. Um, but besides her, I'm going to shout out, let's see, who else came in the chat here? We had Franzies in the chat. We had Rafa in the chat. We got New York Underground in there. We got j Row in there. Everyone, thank you for tuning in. All the shout-outs go to you. And last but not least, I got shout out KG. Uh, I went to Chicago hey, last hey. I was in town last week. I met up with Justin at Little Joe's on the west side on Taylor Street. And um, we had some 11 out of 10 tacos while we had some drinks watching the Bears and the Hawks. That was, that was a fun time. Um, KG's a good guy. We got to do something with him in the spring. We're planning on doing a show. Um, but that's a long ways out from now. Um, but tune in. We're probably going to come back in two weeks from now or so. Right around the winter meeting. So tune in to our next episode. Thank you for watching. I am Gonzo. Two my, on my other side of me is Justin Lee. Below me is Isaac Guillen Jr. Thank you for listening to The Blackout Show presented by The Gian Grid. You have been blacked out.
2: You have been.